The other day, uh, I was standing in line with the, uh, the whole crowd, it seemed like, waiting for coffee. And um, as I was doing that and, and kind of getting impatient after a while, and it started to feel a bit like um, I was suffering in some manner, <laughs> or the people around me were suffering because of me. Um, there was this there was this mother who was there with her her four children, and her uh, four children were, were behaving excellently. Actually, I was trying to take notes, <laughs> and as um, as she was trying to manage them and answer some of the questions, one of the kids asked, "What what is it that <laughs> what is it that they are are doing next? Uh, where is it that they are going?" And speaking of which. I mean, <laughs> Um, what is it the kids are asking the mom? What is it that we're doing next? Where, where are we going? And, and the mom responded, we are, we're going to the grocery store. And almost in unison, as if there was a symphony going on of just sheer horror and struggle and suffering just let out from each of these kids, no, not the grocery store. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure if these kids could just rend their clothing and put on sackcloth and ashes, this would have happened. And all I wanted to do was to get on my knees and tell the children, I know exactly how you feel. That is a shared experience. Suffering <laughs> can be very different for everybody. And it, and it actually is a very hard topic to talk about because... It seems like all of us have different levels and thresholds of suffering that we can handle. Now, if, if that story didn't communicate it to you at all, I have a very low threshold of suffering where it doesn't take much for me to put on the martyr's cloth and, and feel as if something is coming on. But then there are many, uh, and, and even many within our own parish, where they, they have really suffered quite a bit. And their testimony, their their lives and their witness is a place for us to see the way in which God can carry people through their own suffering. And so for us to pick this topic out during one of the joyous seasons of the year is rather difficult to talk about. Because suffering is something that each of us has experienced in our own different ways. And suffering is something that has become even an exercise in our life. But suffering also makes us ask the question, where is God in the middle of it all? Where is God in the middle of my suffering? Where was he when this happened to me? And why has he not shown his face in it? Well, if you have ever asked those questions, I can guarantee you that you are not alone. Not only can I promise it on a personal level, but even when we look at scriptures, we can see those questions arise. We can see those challenges be spoken of. And so suffering, suffering as part of our human existence, becomes something that we need to talk about. Especially when we are discussing the fact that the Lord has invaded this very creation. That He has come to be with us. Not only is that the case, but that is what we call Him, our Emmanuel, the Lord with us. 
And so it doesn't mean just the times when times are great. Or the times when we feel fully emancipated or fully joyous. But it also means the times when we feel the stings of sin, of death, of conflict and violence, of invasion of our own person, our own lives. We must talk about these things. Suffering for us is oftentimes much more than just being temper tantrums or anguish of what we must do when we don't want to do. But suffering for us oftentimes is some of the defining moments of our lives and the defining moments of our faith. It would be easy for us to hope for a religion or a faith that would tell us to ignore suffering, to tell us that it is some sort of illusion of the mind or something that can be wished away. It would be easy for us if we were part of a religion that told us that if we just follow these certain methods forward, we can resist the suffering that life can bring. Or whether we could hop on our nearest boat to nirvana and be done away with it. But that is not the case. In fact, one of the things that I actually cherish about the Christian faith and about Christ himself is that he was very real with suffering. That in no way did he deny the fact that suffering would be part of our life. He did not shy away from the fact that suffering was part of our human existence. And he did not tell us to try and find ways out of suffering. But rather, as he came into this world... He suffered along with us. Because if we were to design our own Savior and to design our own faith, we would design a God not to come in suffering, but to show us how to get around it and away from it. But instead, we have found ourselves with a Savior who has come to suffer alongside with us. One who is born of completely humble means that are a little too close at home at times. We have found ourselves with the Savior who not only is born in those humble means, but continues to live in those means as He goes around preaching freedom, love, and forgiveness to the world. He did not go forward as a God to have some sort of canopy put over Him as he marched along, but rather as one who slept in the elements, lived as a person without anything of belongings, and under our very definitions in the world would be called a sojourner. Not only have we had a God who has come to suffer alongside us, But we have a God who in the moments of his greatest suffering, we hear him pray, Lord, if it is your will, take this cup from my hands. Remove this suffering from my life. Lord, if it is your will, change what is about to happen. Has anybody prayed that before? We find ourselves in good company in that prayer. 
We find ourselves speaking to a God who has said those words himself. Because we are speaking to a God who has suffered. Suffered to the point of tears. Who has felt the pain of hunger. Who knows exactly what it means to be alone. And left. And abandoned. We have a God who has suffered. Which means we have a God that as we talk about our suffering to Him, has some sort of experience to relate to us. Who knows what it means to feel that pain of, of pain, and that pain of hunger, of thirst, of suffering, of needing to pray. But sometimes it's, it's not just nearly enough to hear that he knows what it's like to suffer. Sometimes it's important for us to remember that there was a great purpose behind his suffering. A purpose for us to find a God who has suffered for us. The purpose of having a God who has triumphed over suffering. Who right after those very words of prayer... And calling out to God has also said in the statement, Behold, I will be with you always. Who in his victory over such suffering, in his glorified state, is able to say to you that in your suffering, I will be there with you. One who has every reason to walk away, refuses to walk away from you in the middle of your suffering in the middle of your pain, who does not find it too below him, but finds it the exact place where he needs to be. And so we have a God who is with us in our suffering. And we know that there can be different forms of suffering, and and when we are in the middle of it, they all seem the same. But sometimes we are, we are the victim. We are the one who has had a great atrocity committed against us. We are the ones who for some reason find ourselves laying before others and experiencing the worst that the world has to offer. Sometimes we are the victims of our own consequences. Where having made the choices we made, we find ourselves having to bear those consequences in our lives. And sometimes, sometimes we are even suffering in our own sacrifices. But in each of those moments, Christ is with us. For we hear of when we ourselves are the victims, we can look to the stories of how he handled the victims of the world in his coming. We can remember of the woman who is dragged before all the others, having some of the worst things said about her that any woman could ever possibly have said with all of society ready to pick up their stones and to throw it at her, there was one who stood by her in her defense. That there was one who actually put an end and made them lay the stones down. Who had them turn and look at themselves. This is the one who suffers alongside you. The one who speaks for those that everybody else is ready to tear apart. Ready to disown. 
ready to walk away from, ready to keep out and away from. We remember the ones that he had actually come for, those very outcasts of society. The woman who has to go to the well by herself because nobody else would dare be with her. The ones that he actually calls out, the ones that nobody else would dare touch, but he would touch them with all of his healing power. Have you had a moment in your life where there would be ones who would not come near you? Have you had a moment in your life where because of your actions, you found yourself living in such consequences? Have you found yourself as the victim? The one who never asked to be in this situation, but yet you are. God was with you then. It is for that purpose that he has come. Something that I heard a while ago that has always stuck with me, that I now share oftentimes when somebody has lost their their wife or their husband, is that the ones who Jesus came for were the widows. The ones that he ate with were the orphans. The persons that he spent his time with were the ones who had the worst happen to them. That's who he was with. A lifetime of experience has taught me that that I make some really bad decisions. And I can try and build up as many things as I can to stop making bad decisions. But as we just confessed together, I have sinned in thought, word, and deed. And sometimes those sins pile up. And sometimes those things end in dramatic consequences in this world. We have certainly all made decisions that we have had to come and be exposed in. Or we had had to stand in judgment before this world because of. There's no reason for us to have to name such things that we have decided or such consequences we have lived with. But we can certainly name the ones that Jesus stood next to in his time in ministry. To the one who had made that sin and stood before a court. To the ones who had decided to enter into a profession that nobody else would, and in that profession swindle people out of their money, yet found themselves still being called to be his disciples. Ones who decided to stand up and fight for an empire that thought they had a God already ruling it, yet they found still a home in their baptism in the church and in the faith. In fact, we hear of an entire church body, a church body rather firm in their own thinking, in their own developments of theology. But hearing from the very Apostle Paul, they hear that not only are they to stop doing that, but they are still part of the people of God, that there is still a home for them here. Because we have a God who is full of grace and truth. We have a God who has suffered for us. 
And so even when we are dealing with the consequences of our own decisions, of our own sins, our God has not abandoned us there. But rather, that is for the very reason that He has come. That He has actually placed His name on you. It is there that we actually... Oh, the baptismal font was moved. (laughs) It is for that that you were baptized. For those very times. For you to remember that in our lives, in our sin, in the things that seek to pull us away from God, God will not pull Himself away from you. For God is with us in our suffering. And sometimes, sometimes we are called to sacrifice. Next week we will discover how we are called to sacrifice in resisting temptation. But we are also called to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes you are called to sacrifice for your loved ones, for your kids, for your parents, for your neighbor. And sometimes that can be the most frustrating sacrifice of all. But even there, our God promises to be with us. Because even as He sent us out to do that sacrificing and to do that living, that promise comes to us immediately after this Gospel reading where He says, Behold, I will be with you to the ends of the earth. As you are sent out, as you go out into that sacrificing, as you go out into your life, I will be with you there. It is that promise as Stephen looks up in the midst of his own martyrdom and sees salvation. It is in that promise that the church itself is built and weathers the time. It is in that promise that we, in our own lives, struggling, have hope and are actually given strength. Because we know the promise that has come to us is that He will be with us always. For this we turn to our Old Testament reading today out of Isaiah 43. We're in the very first verse there as He's writing to all of the people of God. He says, Fear not. Fear not. For I, the Lord, I, the One who has come, I, the one who has suffered for you, the one who has promised to be with you always, the one who is there with you in your depths and in your times of suffering, have redeemed you. Fear not, I have redeemed you, and I have called you by name. You are mine. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So in those moments, in those moments of isolation in our suffering, in those moments where we cannot bring ourselves together, the Lord has brought you together. The Lord has gathered you up. The Lord has redeemed you. The Lord has called you. You are His. For God is with us in our suffering. Amen.